everyone, and welcome to She's All That Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1999 body positivity movie, She's All That. Question question mark? mark? (laughs) (laughs) The the podcast where we analyze the after-school special with a bigger budget, She's All That, one minute at a time. That that works. You know, this is one of my favorite parts of starting these new podcasts is that like the first two to three weeks where we're like, how do we start and end this thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm your host, James. And it's minute zero. Minute zero. We, we're in the negative space before we're in, creation. Yeah, we're in the negative space before this movie was made. Um, 1998. Yeah, Right. <laughs> So this is the uh, the episode where we introduce ourselves. If if you're like a big she's all that head, a, a she head, well, probably not that of an all that tight. If you think um, she's all that is all that, mm-hmm. then you may be confused about your uh, your comedy properties. But, sure, uh, it's where we talk about uh, the movie, sort of our experiences with the movie, maybe sort of overarching things we have to talk about. Problematic production company stuff. Uh, this one time and then never again. And then I like to do a little fun game I play for mostly just me, which is what uh, what credits does this have in common with the previous movies that we've done? Mm-hmm. Do you want to start there? Yeah, let's start there. Um, so we started this whole thing with Newsies Minute, mm-hmm. as I'm assuming you know. Um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> hey, there may be people who come to She's All That Minute and don't know what else we've done. So it's yeah. it's good for us to, to yeah. cover all of our bases. Exactly. Um, so the, the things uh, in common with new, between Newsies and She's All That are Brian Friedman, who was a Newsie dancer in Newsies, and who is just credited as dancer in this movie. I assume at some sort, at like the prom or yeah. whatever. I'm assuming that, that uh, uh, the Rockefeller Skanks Funk's old brother uh, dance yeah. is where he is going to show up. Yeah. Uh, and Matthew C. Bevel, or Beville, uh, who did sound transfer in Newsies, which I think that I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> did you did you watch did you watch me walk up to the diving board and look in the pool and be like, nope. Yep. And just walk right back? Sure did. <laughs> um and then so he did that in Newsies. What I, I'm sure he did like a great job. There was sound. In Newsies, so I'm, it, I have to imagine he did. The sound transferred into my ears just fine. Totally, totally. He, and he's the one that facilitates that for every viewing. Mm-hmm. He is so tired. Um, <laughs> he's been doing then, this job since 1992. <laughs> it's almost 30 years. God, we're old. In She's All That, he uh, was the ADR mixer. So okay. anytime... So actually, I think... Uh, Welcome to the first uh, episode of things that we're going to say we're going to keep an eye out for and then never remember we did ever, ever again. Sometimes I take notes on this. Yeah, okay. That I see so many times when I'm taking notes that it ceases to actually exist in my brain. Okay, so let's, well, let's see. So if the ADR mixing is good, then we won't be able to tell when they've... uh, done a pickup on someone's lines when they're facing away from us. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'm going to make a note to self. 
Um, so that's that's Newsies. In Crossroads, the only the only common credit is this guy Paul B. Clay, uh, who was the sound supervisor in both movies. So I'm kind of surprised there's only one credit because those these movies came out like three years apart. Yeah, and yeah, fall know. into the same category of like you know kind of teen rom com. Yeah, yeah, weird. Totally. Yeah, so I don't know what a sound supervisor does, but uh, Supervises Paul B. Clay did Yeah, he's like, hey, sound, are you coming to work? Like, let's see if the sounds get paid, all that stuff. Are, are, that's what my supervisor does. Are you, are you if transferring? If the sound has to call out. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, that's what, and that's what, and then you get you get moved to sound transfer. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when they take sounds from another movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wild if that's what sound transfer actually was? If they take, like, stock sounds... Yeah. Like when they have like, the stock yeah. footage of like all the birds taking off out of the trees yeah. that is used yeah. in so many movies. Or like the Wilhelm scream. Yes, yes. And then Can't Hardly Wait is where the big the big guns happen with the crossovers. Of course. Uh, Clea Duvall, who played Jana, or Jana, mm-hmm. I believe is how uh, Kenny pronounced it, in Can't Hardly Wait, plays Misty in this one. Mm-hmm. Chris Owen, who played Klepto Guy in Can't Hardly Wait, has a character with, as of minute zero, my favorite uh, name of anyone in any of the movies we've done so far, which is, of course, Derek Funkhauser Rutley. Okay. I don't remember him being in this movie, so that'll be interesting to revisit. Me neither. He's a character with three names, so he has to probably have some sort of something, right? You would think... I wonder if he is in the MTV stuff. Like, oh. the real world. I wonder if he's a real world person. Yeah, that would make sense. You know, this is the movie that I... Th- when I think of Clea Duvall, this is the movie mm-hmm. I think of. I didn't realize it, but uh, the faculty is that for me. Oh. I had forgotten that that is what it, what I think of Clea Duvall as being in, but uh, turns out... That's what that's it is. the one. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Lil' Kim is on the soundtrack uh, with a Missy Elliott song, Hit Him With He on Count Hardly Wait, and she plays Alex in this. That was the biggest surprise for me as I prepared for this, was that Lil' Kim is an actress in this movie. Who does she play? The very short friend. Oh. Yeah. Huh. That we've met her. Yeah. Yeah. The one who's not Gabrielle Union. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Or, well, I guess there's a handful of friends who are not Gabrielle Union, but in the scene that she's in, Gabrielle right. Union is the other friend on screen. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. And then uh, John Barry, who is credited because of the Sneaker Pimps song Six Underground in Can't Hardly Wait, not because he was in the Sneaker Pimps, but because he recorded the soundtrack for Goldfinger, which is sampled in that Sneaker Pimps song. Okay. And then in the soundtrack for this, he is credited for Rockefeller Skank, the um, the uh, Fatboy Slim song, for a similar reason. He did some sort of recording back in the day, and then that's that. Okay. J. Armin Garza II, uh, who I know... Because he did a lot of stuff for Charmed and other stuff that I did when I was doing my, like, what TV shows are people in and what are the common things. Right. I know this guy fairly well, weirdly. He is the camera car driver. Oh. Okay. So. (laughs) And then finally, a name which I thought was going to be uh, lost in, like, the early 20s minutes of Canterly Wait. Click the Supa Latin had a song, This Is How I Know, on the Can't Hardly Wait uh, soundtrack, which was what Kenny was listening to with his homeboys when they rolled up to the party. Right. 
he plays a rapper in She's All That. Oh. So we will actually get to point out, probably, click the Supa Latin in this movie at some point. All maybe. right. Possibly. So those are the uh, the in common collaborations with uh, the movies we've done so far. I'm s- I'm kind of surprised that there are not more um, actors in common between this and Can't Hardly Wait. But yeah, I mean, I guess and three is I don't know that we've ever had three because between Newsies, uh, Crossroads and Can't Hardly Wait had one actor. Yeah, Newsies didn't have anything with anyone ever any time. <laughs> Actually, this dancer. I think is the first time we've had someone... On screen and not... Trans, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the only two things I have left to talk about, aside from perhaps any sort of like, what does this movie mean to you stuff, mm-hmm. are, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about Pygmalion. Okay. And then a little bit about Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Just sort of... Um, let me do the Harvey Weinstein thing real quick. This movie is made, is produced by Miramax. It's a Miramax movie. Miramax was started by the Weinstein brothers, Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein is a big, huge piece of shit Mm -hmm. and an awful, awful, awful person. So if it becomes necessary to refer to the Weinstein brothers, like next minute when we talk about Miramax, I will be referring to Bob Weinstein and Bob Weinstein only. Okay. Do not correct me. I have cut Harvey Weinstein out of my life forever. That's fair. Because fuck him. Yep. Uh, And then the last thing... Oh, we curse on this show. That's a minute zero thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so Pygmalion comes from ancient Greek mythology, uh, where this dude uh, fell in love with one of his sculptures, and then it came to life, which I don't know if that's a dream or a nightmare. I guess it depends on how much you're actually in love with it versus like, damn, good job, Pygmalion. Well, I, and self high five. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I mean, is it just pretty or does it also have a good personality? Exactly. Like, like what if it are com- you marrying for money? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Did you sculpt? Can you sculpt a personality? Whoa. I think you can in Europe. <laughs> Wrong movie. What's that from? Is that from? That's from 10 Things. 10 Things. Okay. Dang it. Hey, you know who else is in uh, Who else is in uh, 10 Things is Gabrielle Union. I know. And that's why when I saw so. her in this, I had, I had like a moment of like, my bean was a bl- little bit freaked because I was like, wait. Yeah. Is yeah. I mean that's that's her. Is that her? <laughs> is she in both? No, that's definitely her. Like I seriously had to pause it and sit there for like thirty seconds with my brain going, "What movie am I watching?" Because I completely forgot yeah. she was in this. Absolutely, same. I mean, for me, it was Rachel Lee Cook, Freddie Prince Jr., and then if you'd pressed me for one more, Usher. Yeah. There, yeah, there are a number of actors. I just recently remembered Matthew Lillard was in it. Same. Um, I forgot that there was a Culkin in it until we see him on screen. Same. And I did. I could not have told you which one it was, except not Macaulay. Right. I assume if it's not Macaulay, it's Kieran. Even though I know that's not always true. It's but not it always true, is true. And I could not remember. I know that there's Kieran, whose name I forgot, and the other one, whose name I still don't remember. Rory? I think it's Rory, and I'm really upset that I can just rattle off three Culkins. Well, um. <laughs> that's, you know, it is what it is. There's, I had completely forgotten Paul Walker was in it. Mm-hmm, same. Um, the chick who plays, what? what is the, Taylor, is that her name? Yeah, Taylor, yeah, yeah. I, I always think that that is Charisma Carpenter, that she could play Cordelia mm. on Buffy. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. Her name is nothing. It does not sound like Charisma or Carpenter 
or Cordelia. Yeah. Doesn't really look that much like her, aside from kind of a, a vaguely generic pretty white girl. Yeah. Kind of kind of a similar vibe. Kind of. I mean, they both have that, like, kind of cultivated resting bitch face for the role. Yeah. But... Cordelia was, was interesting, though, because there was redemption and, and they had to make her likable at some point. Yeah. For season I, one, she is just awful. But by right. season... By the time by the time she's on Angel, she's a favorite character. Right. Like, See, I didn't really she's, she's watch cool. much yeah. Buffy. Exactly. I, I only knew her from the earlier episodes where yeah. she was... Quite frankly, the, the same the same as Taylor is in this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, there are a lot of actors that, like, I I think of um I think of Rachel Lee Cook, Freddie Prince Jr., Clea Duvall, and Usher mm-hmm. are the ones that yeah. I remember. Uh, Usher, I think. I wonder how many people remember remember that Usher is in this movie because I don't want to call ahead to I think probably near the end, but it is ingrained on my brain when he's like, all right, everyone, ready to do that dance I taught you all? That is the reason I remember Usher is in this movie. Because <laughs> just the sheer background of that line. Yeah, I know. And we will get there because I know we're going to talk about that when we get there because what the fuck does that e- What? What? Man, when we get to that scene, we are going to talk about how this movie's prom differs from any of the proms that I have actually attended as a real life human being. Yeah. But I agree. Oh, uh, there's going to be actually, um, let me finish talking about Pygmalion. Then we're going to talk about like, this movie is actually unique for us, for our series of movies. Um, okay. And I'll tell you why in a sec. Sure. Tell me why. After you tell me about Pygmalion and his great personality sculpture. Right. Um, so then it says the general idea of that myth was a popular subject for Victorian era, British playwrights. Mm-hmm. including one of George Bernard Shaw, who I believe wrote the play Pygmalion. His, one of his influences, W.S. Gilbert, I believe that is Gilbert of Gilbert and Sullivan. Okay. Um, who wrote a successful play based on the story called Pygmalion and Galatea that was present, first presented in 1871. I think Galatea is the name of the sculpture? Sure. Pretty sure? That makes sense. Um, that's me just literally guessing. No, that uh, sounds right. I'm I'm okay. going to go ahead and tell you that you're correct. Thank you. Because it's Gal, and so that's a woman. Mm-hmm. Shaw would also have been familiar with the burlesque version, Galatea, or Pygmalion Reversed, which I have to imagine is uh, a sculptor uh, makes a sculpture and then turns to stone. It's the only way that Pygmalion Reverse works for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely not female like sculpture a- or female sculptor, uh, male sculpt, male sculpt. Sculpture. Sculpture. Sculptor, yeah. sculpture. Sculpt him. Sculpt him. There you go. Fem- female <laughs> sculptor, male sculpt him. <laughs> we got there eventually. We got there. Um, and then uh, I also wrote down a couple of examples of this story that have also appeared in pop culture. Uh, My Fair Lady, incredibly famously. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you came to this podcast uh, thinking, oh, this is an adaptation of My Fair Lady, actually no one, I think, would fault you for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Duff is apparently, I recall liking The Duff, except for the name. Um, I haven't May Whitman seen it. was good. Well, maybe when we put that on the list. I mean, I, it's going to be down low on the list. but I do like May Whitman. I have not seen the movie. I didn't realize that there was a, I thought that that was more of a Cyrano type 
situation. I think it's both. I think it's both. Cyrano de Pygmalion. I'm pretty sure. Because, like, she has to sort of make over her. It's like... No, because there actually there's not. I think it looks more like a Cyrano than it is. Maybe it's. I don't know. Well, we'll have to watch it. But yeah. like, there's definitely a like make May Whitman look hot, which is again not the hard. premise of the, the premise of this whole thing is make this already attractive stupid. girl yeah, exactly. look attractive, which like right exactly yeah take off the glasses yeah. and she's there. Don't forget the paint stained. Don't overalls. forget the paint stained overalls. I just had a weird. You know, don't forget the paint stained overalls might be a good sign off that we could think about. Yeah, I know it's not from this movie, but it is referring to this movie and incredibly pertinent for this movie. I concur. I like. Um, we'll see you next time. You fucking bet. But I'm not sure that our tagline should contain the curse. I one. agree. I kind of like. Don't forget the paint stained overalls. Right. Let's start with that okay. and see if we come up with something right. stupid later to change cool. it to. I, there's no precedent for that. Yeah, I just got a <laughs> oh, weird urge to watch The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Cyrano. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is one that I when I realized that Cyrano was a thing that was commonly adapted, mm-hmm. I was like, like it was you know Truth About Cats and Dogs was on the list, and I was like, like I had my brain like did like a quick one two because I was like, oh yeah, that movie. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. That yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that may have been the first time I ever saw Uma Thurman. I think that may have been the first time most people saw Uma Thurman. That may have been her it's first fun. lead role. It's funny that... Can you imagine casting for that movie? All right, we got Janine Garofalo. Who's like the opposite of Janine Garofalo? Uma Thurman. Flipping through headshots. Oh, found her. Well, it's her and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> right, exactly. Who's taller? Hold on. <laughs> I almost just searched who's taller. Tall is Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman is 5'11". Uma Thurman is 5'11". Well... well what other tiebreakers you got? Uh, Nicole Kidman was probably already doing a movie at that point and right, or wanted on. more money. <laughs> Ooh, well, you know how vicious those Australians can be. Yeah. 1996 was Truth About Cats and Dogs. I just need to I just need to know. I just, you know, you know how I am. All right, cool. Also, cool, I'm going to cool. need you to look up if that was the first thing that we would have seen Uma Thurman in. Sure, sure. Because uh, 96, Pulp she would have been in. before that, right? Uh, Pulp Fiction was 94. Okay. So, so Yeah. A uh, portrait, the portrait of a lady. Is that the Henry James thing? Yes. Yeah. Was what Nicole um, Kidman was doing? Was what Nicole Kidman was doing? So I'm thinking she probably could have. Oh, she now she was doing. She did to to die for came out in 1995, which was that. Uh, it's like a. It was like a dark comedy. It was like think election if election was about journalists. I haven't seen That's election. what to die for was. Oh, uh, horrible self. Ho- um, the protagonist is someone that you wouldn't like if they were in person but their foibles and flaws are charming on screen okay reese witherspoon does a better job of that i think you're supposed to not like nicole kidman more okay okay so then i just need to also see how old i hate this nicole kidman is three years older i think we've unlocked it oh okay she was too old for the role too old for the role being uh Three. Uma Thurman was 26 and Nicole Kidman is three years older. So she would have Uma, been almost, uh, she been almost 30. So she was yeah, so practically like, a ugh. grandma. Gross. I'm, a, I'm the Crypt Keeper. Pulp Fiction. I wouldn't have seen that though. I wouldn't have seen that. I mean, I feel like I saw Truth About Cats and Dogs before Batman and Robin. Oh, I forgot about Batman and Robin. Yeah. I, and then she was in Gattaca, too. Did you ever see Gattaca? Gattaca was actually really good, but I definitely saw I Truth really About Cats Gattaca. and Dogs before that. Same. Same. Yeah, I think... I think I may have... She was in a version of, made, of Robin Hood. 
Weird. I may have seen Batman and Robin beforehand, but not recognized that it was the same actress. Mm. Fair. That's so funny. In 2000, she was in the Golden Bowl, which is a Henry James story. Oh. That's wild that they both have done a Henry James thing. I mean, they're basically the same person. They're pretty much the same person, which, of course, leads me to just one more thing. Collaboration, search. <laughs> Are Nicole, Nicole Kidman and Uma Thurman the same person? <laughs> have they ever been in seen in the same room together? Is Uma Thurman just the superhero version of Nicole Kidman or vice versa? They were both in the movie The House That Jack Built, starring Matt Dillon, Bruno Gantz. Never heard no, of it. Sound... Also the 76th, 72nd, 74th, 78th, 60th, 60th, and a bunch of Academy Award shows. Mm, I don't know. That all sounds made up. <laughs> Fair. The house the Jack built seems fake. Um, <laughs> Certainly doesn't seem very sturdy. I wouldn't want to live there. Exactly. Have you seen Jack's other work? No. <laughs> so uh, Trading Places is also one listed here. Um, what is Trading that's where, Places? Uh, Are we back to talking about... Where, Pygmalion. Pygmalion, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dan Aykroyd uh, is a rich guy, and Eddie Murphy is a poor guy, and these rich guys make a bet that they can make Dan Aykroyd poor and Eddie Murphy rich in a week or something. Okay. And they bet they bet a dollar because they're so rich that money doesn't really mean anything, so a bet is meaningless. Okay. So it's a it's a good... I would say this. Trading places is like... 99% so good. And then there's a scene where Dan Aykroyd's in blackface, and it's just like, oh, oh so close. So close. And yet... Trading, uh, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, it's a great it's movie. It's a great cast. Yeah. there's And then, then Dan Aykroyd came into the scene, and I was like, rats. <laughs> you almost had it. And didn't ruin the movie, but it's like, it's like, I'd love to see a TV edit of this, yeah. please. Like... Uh, Pretty Woman is mm-hmm. also listed here as a as a Pygmalion, and then there's a Simpsons episode called Pygmalion, uh, where Mo gets uh, pr- gets uh, goes gets plastic surgery, becomes very attractive, and gets on a a soap opera. Oh, okay. And then the set crashes on him, and his face reverts back to how it was before, because it's a cartoon. But they I do was gonna say because that. that's how um, <laughs> surgery works. <laughs> right. Exactly. And. That is it for my notes. Um, we've kind of already sort of touched on context for our lives. I remember this being... I see. I thought I had seen this movie more than I have. I don't think I have watched this movie since I have been out of college. Mm. So it's... I'm not sure I've watched it since I've been out of high school. I'm sh- I, ha- I, I own it on DVD. I'm mm. not sure it's ever actually been opened. The reason I wanted mm-hmm. to get it on HBO is because I didn't feel like going downstairs to where the DVD was. I got out the DVD, opened it, put it in the player, and then was, and then closed the DVD and saw on the top it said uh, Blu-ray plus digital. And I was like, shit, I got the digital version of this. And I had, so I just watched yeah. that with the DVD in the... In the thing, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure that I... Like, I know that I had the VHS of this as mm-hmm. well. Like I had a huge collection of VHS tapes in college that I had gotten yeah. from like the $5 bin at Blockbuster. Oh, I probably sure. had $200 worth of $5 VHS tapes. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sure that I watched it in college at some point. I can't remember yeah. when. When I think of this movie, I think of the colors red and gold. Interesting. Because Rachel Lee Cook wears okay. a red dress. 
And the red dress, sure. Jodie Lynn O'Keefe wears that gold dress with the gold okay. makeup. And she's just right. very gold. Super gold, like a Bond villain. Yeah. Or a Bond girl. A Bond girl. I mean, maybe. Actually, specifically the Bond girl that dies because she gets painted in gold. Yeah. <laughs> specifically that, that, that one. one. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when I, hear, when I hear the words, she's all that, I immediately think red and gold. And then I picture mm-hmm. the clown face makeup. Mm-hmm. And that's about where I stop picturing things. I think my brain, when you say she's all that, I think my brain goes, Rachel Lee Cook is very pretty. Boy, 10 Things I Hate About You is a great movie. Okay. Just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know what? That's as valid as red gold clown makeup. <laughs> I, I think I also think about how weird and dated that title is. She's all that? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they made a movie called Can't Buy Me Love in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think it had Patrick Dempsey in mm-hmm. it. Then they remade it in uh, like a, a hip hop uh, black slash Latin setting. Okay. And it was called Love Don't Cost a Thing. Okay. Which was uh, a Jennifer Lopez song. Yeah. And I sometimes sort of think about how she's all that. Like Love Don't Cost a Thing and Can't Buy Me Love are like, this is the white version. This is the not white version. Sure. And she's all that isn't that. And actually, we'll get to it, but fairly racially balanced cast yeah. um, from what I've seen so far yeah. and also calling out stupid white men. So like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy so far with that one aspect, but um, yeah. So I don't know. I think she's all that. I sort of was like, yeah, I got it. And I think that not another teen movie a little bit was like, here are the cliffs notes of she's all that. Okay. For me a little bit. So anyways, that's all I got. Yeah. I don't have anything in particular. So Cool. I think we're well, done. I'm excited to, I'm excited to do this uh, this movie with you. Yeah, we'll be back with minute one. We usually do publish this minute zero on a Wednesday and then start the following Monday. Yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Do we want to do socials or anything? Uh, we, I, you know, I think we can do socials. Yeah. Because our Twitter hasn't changed. Yeah. We don't have to create so a new let's one. Do, yeah, let's do socials. All right. So we are going to just dive into a little bit of quick social media. As a podcast, we can be found on Twitter at je underscore minute movies. That is our handle for all of our minute movies going forward. We will just be updating the avatar as the movies change. Individually, I'm on Twitter at unabashedly Aaron. And I'm at unabashed James. uh, We are proud members of the Scavengers Network on Twitter at ScavengersNet, on the internet at large at scavengersnetwork.com on twitch at twitch.tv slash the scavengers network and on patreon at patreon.com slash the scavengers network where for two dollars a month you can get access to so much bonus content much of which not all of which but much of which is from me and james and combinations of me james and other people so yeah, if you like the sound of our voices, so do we. <laughs> you can hear it on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to do it for us. Come back yeah. on Monday for yeah. minute one. Yeah, absolutely. And until then, don't, don't forget, forget those, those paint-stained overalls.
The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Are you a fan of Boy Meets World? Do you enjoy rewatch podcasts? Well, then you should check out The Lost Years, a retrospective fan cast hosted by me, Tay. And me, Sid. It's my favorite show of all time. And I've never seen it. Each week, we're recapping a new episode of Boy Meets World, sharing bits of nostalgia and learning a wholesome lesson. Join us on our rewatch journey, won't you? School's in session every Tuesday, wherever you find your podcasts. What else do you need to know?